0: Morning. morning. Doug, I appreciate that prayer, and I'm sure you wasn't the only one praying for Matt to be up here. (laughs) But God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want them. But I appreciate everybody being here. I especially appreciate our members being here. You know, we put it in the bulletin every time I preach, and you still show up. So I appreciate that so much, and especially my brother Mark, triplets here today. Last time I preached, he went all the way to Hawaii. <laughs> he said, I ain't being nowhere around that. But I appreciate it. And also today, we have some new members. Uh, Roman and Jamie Fleming and Alexis Rush have decided to place membership here, and we appreciate them. And also with them is Anthony Merritt and Olivia. Married, if you would please stand up, if you don't mind. And they've also got some some extra people with them today. Thank y'all. They bring people with them to church every Sunday, and that is just awesome. Uh, We appreciate our visitors being here. We have some several visitors that are here. We appreciate you being here. Invite you to come back next week, and you'll hear a real preacher. Uh, Brother Matt will be preaching next week. Matt is a solid preacher. He loves the Lord. Uh, He loves the Bible. He preaches it all the time. If you want an extra sermon, call him during the week and he'll give it to you. I call him Jeremiah. (laughs) Because Jeremiah says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. That is Matt. He's got to teach and preach the gospel. We appreciate him very much, him and Miss Aaron. Appreciate Doug and Miss Melanie, our associate minister. Uh, do a lot of work for the Lord. We appreciate y'all. And as Doug said, Derek is, uh, our youth minister is preaching at Bethany today. It is the fifth Sunday. On the fifth Sunday, one of the elders will be up here speaking. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not a preacher. I mow yards for a living. Uh, and You know, Matt and Doug, every Sunday, they have one week to get another sermon ready. I've had two or three months. And it's difficult, you know. And I I come home one day this week and I I told Miss Miss Kay, I said, you know, I can sit on that lawnmower and I can preach a sermon like nobody. I mean, it just rolls better than Matt can do. (laughs) And, And when I get home to write it down, I can't think of nothing. And Miss Kay came over and she hugged me and put her arms around me and she said, Honey, we'll just have to find a way to get that more on the stage and let you <laughs> sit on it and preach. <laughs> That's the truth. So, in honor of Miss Kay and all you people that think I don't mow when it's raining, That's me mowing Matt's ditch. Okay, now I've got your attention. Let's, let's go to God in prayer before we start. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the blessings of this life. We thank you so much for our church here at Fountainhead. We thank you for each member. We thank you for each person that is here today. We pray that the things we say and do today will be in full accordance with your will. We pray, Your Lord, today, <clears throat> just as our brother Paul did to the, to the Colossian brethren, that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we may walk worthy of you, O Lord, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in your knowledge, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to you, Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You have delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed to us the kingdom of your Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. We pray, dear Lord, that you will forgive us of our sins today. We pray for anyone here today that has not put you on in baptism or needs to make their life right in any way, that they will do so today before it's too late. Pray that you go with us the rest of this service. Thank you for everything you do for us. We pray that we'll always shine our lights and be a shining light in the community. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As Christians, it's te- this is telling us, do not be like the world, right? As Christians, we should be different than the world in everything that we do, the way we talk, the way we live, the way we act the way we treat our families, the way we treat our friends, the way we work. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit today. The reason that we should be different is because we shouldn't be thinking of worldly things. We should be thinking of spiritual things. We should always be thinking about doing God's will. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Think about that. A city up on a hill, you can't hide it. It's there. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. The light shines light on everything, just as we should do as Christians. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what Jesus is telling us to do as Christians. When people see in our lives what doing God's will has produced, it directs attention right to God, right to His saving power. I want us to look at an example today of a man that did not conform to this world. If you want to turn, the scriptures are going to be up here, but if you want to turn follow along, we're going to talk about Daniel just a little bit. and we, I know we know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but I want to look at what led up to that and see if we can apply it to our lives today. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all, above above the governors and satraps, because because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now Daniel, he was just a, a Jewish youth when he was carried off to Babylon. In the first captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar. He spent most of his career as a high-ranking advisor to Nebuchadnezzar. At this time he was about 70, 70 years old and King Belshazzar had just been killed and King Darius had taken over. Now Daniel was one of three governors that were appointed. Now how could a slave, Daniel was a slave, how could a slave a foreigner becomes such a high-ranking official. Now, this was an important job to the king. This is someone that had to be trusted. He had to protect the king's interest. And not only was he one of the governors, the king said that he was thinking about putting Daniel over the whole realm. Now, how could what, had, what has he done in his job that made the king want to appoint him over everything? Well, let's look at the scripture a little bit. In verse 3 it says, he had an excellent spirit. Well, What does this mean? Well, it means he knew how God wanted him to act. He knew how God wanted him to work. He knew right from wrong. Whether he was a slave or a free man, he had the right attitude. You know, we all have an excellent spirit in us if we want to, don't we? We all know right from wrong. We know how to work, we know how to live, we know how to act if we want to do it. You know, people at your work or when you used to work that waste more time and energy trying to get out of work than if they just went ahead and done the job to start with? When we worked at Albany, and I'm going to use Albany a couple of times, we would come in to start shifts Sunday night at 10 o'clock, first shift come in at 6, second shift come in at 2. We made forming fabrics, and that's hard to explain, so I'm just going to say we made widgets. Okay? So we come in at 10, that shift made 10 widgets. First shift come in, they saw they made 10 on this one table. They saw they made 10, so they was going to make 9 and 3 quarter. Second shift come in, they saw what happened, they was going to make 9 and a half. Third shift come back in, they saw how much the other people did, but they were going to do just a little bit less. So now we're making nine and a quarter. And so it went. They weren't going to do no more than they had to. Now, is that an excellent spirit? Is that working and doing right? You're getting paid to work. Do what you're supposed to do. And then you have other people that just come in and do their job like Daniel did. They come in and work. I'm, paid, I'm getting paid to do this job. I'm going to do my job. I don't care what else is going on. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. There's two guys sitting right here in this room, Danny Raggin and Chris Sprinkles, that work for me. They did whatever I asked them to do. I call them up. Hey, will you do this? Yeah. Not before they even know what it is. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And people say, why are you, why are you doing that? That ain't even your job. Because Danny asked me to. Well, if he asked me, I ain't, that ain't my job. I ain't going to do it. Or slow down. you making us all look bad. You're doing more than you're supposed to. You know, it didn't matter what I asked them to do. They was going to do it. What if we as Christians have that same attitude in the church? Whatever needs to be done, that's what we're going to do. Whatever the elders ask us to do, we're going to do it as best we can. What about our deacons? If they need some help? Hey, what do you need done? Let me help you. The reason Daniel worked like he did... Is because of this right here, Ephesians chapter six, five through eight. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, not to men knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. We don't just work to please our employers. We work as bond servants of Christ, who sees all and reward us for whatever good we do. You see, the Bible in this scripture raises daily work to the Christian level. Think about that. Everything we do should be about being a Christian. Work as if you're working for the Lord, no matter what you're doing. And when you do that, you do, you're doing what's right. What else can we find out about Daniel's worker? Well, verse 4 says, They could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. He was faithful to the king. Whatever the king asked him to do, he did it. He didn't, he didn't worry about anything else. He did what the king said. He didn't say, this is silly. Why are we doing this? He did what the king asked him to do. Daniel performed his official duties blamelessly without fault or error. Now I'm going to say Daniel didn't go around complaining about everything. You know people at your work at complains? People complain about everything. Why do we do that? Why do we complain? You know, if you get a, people get a 50-cent raise, they complain because they didn't get 55. They get a 10-minute break, they complain because they didn't get 15. 30-minute lunch, they want 35. We had people at our work that would complain no matter what you told them. We'd have a meeting every, before every shift, and I had two guys that didn't matter what I said, they were going to complain about it. And one guy, he didn't even know what he was complaining about. He just complained. They'd have to tell him later what he was complaining about. Let me back up. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Now I'm talking to all y'all out here, because I don't complain about nothing. <laughs> is that right, Miss K? Miss K? <laughs> she didn't answer because she don't have to come up front. I don't complain when I have to weed eat Matt's ditch every week because it's soaking wet. Right? I complain. We all complain. Why do we complain? Why do we? Well, it says, do not complain. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Do all things without complaining. When we complain, we lose the respect of other people. How are you going to invite somebody to church if all we do is complain about things? If we have the mind of Christ, we shouldn't complain, we shouldn't grumble against God, against our fellow Christians, or against anybody. That's the only way to live as God's children. We're trying to be blameless and harmless. We need to be Christian examples so that we can be the lights of the gospel. Talk about lighting again. We're trying to be the right example so we can invite people. And we're going to, we're going to have problems at work, but you handle it the right way. You talk to your supervisor or management and you call them off to the side and talk to them in a respectful way and do it the right way. You don't try to embarrass them in front of everybody. You act as a Christian in everything. What did Daniel's co-workers think about him? Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What a great statement that is. This is his enemies talking about him, his co workers. They can't find any f- charge against him unless it's something to do with worshiping God. So the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said, and said thus to him King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue. And to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O King, establish the decree and sign the writing, so that it cannot be changed, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore King Darius signed the written the written King Darius signed the written. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. Now Daniel knew that the king had signed this. You cannot worship anybody but the king for 30 days. So what did Daniel do? He did what he always did. He went home and prayed three times that day. He didn't increase his prayer out of hypocrisy, nor did he conceal it out of fear. He didn't say, you ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm going to pray six times a day. Or he didn't go hide in his room. He did what he always did. He did what he thought God wanted him to do. What would we do if the government locked the doors for 30 days? What would we do? Will we come up here and bust it off and say, I'm a, I'm, they ain't telling me what to do? Will we stay at home? And worship at home with our with our family, or will we just keep doing what we should do? Verse eleven. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They knew they not only knew what he was going to do, but their trick to the king depended on Daniel's commitment to God. They knew what he, that he was going to always do what he did. He was not going to conform to the world. Do our co- co-workers know what kind of Christian we are? Do they know what we're going to do every Sunday? Do they know how we're going to act? If, so, if one of our co-workers came to church today, was it because we invited them? If they came in and they saw us, would they say, I didn't know you went to church here. If they came in and saw you, would they say, I didn't know you went to church. Daniel's co-workers knew exactly what kind of Christian he was. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you signed but makes his petition three times a day. You know, first they tried to, sh- to show the king, rem- remind the king that he was a foreigner. And then they tried to show him that he was disloyal to him. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, and this is what the king knows about Daniel. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. The king didn't even believe in God. But by Daniel's actions and the way he worked and the way he lived, the king said, Your God... Deliver you because you serve him continually. And we know the story of uh, what happened with Daniel going into the lion's den. In verse 21 22 it says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God said his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel served the Lord. And he was faithful to the king. He did what he was supposed to do. He didn't do it because he wanted something out of it. He did it because it was the right thing to do. A lot of times in people's lives, they'll say, You know, God, if you'll just do this for me, then I'll start living better. You do this for me, I'll never do this again. If you do this for me, whatever. That's not how it is. God is our creator. He has told us how we should live our lives, and he's told us what we should do. A good example of that is is right here in Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We don't even need to talk about this. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from you, O king. But listen to this. But if not, if God decides not to save us, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Even if God didn't save them, they were still going to worship God. What an amazing statement. What an amazing faith that they have. What an amazing way of showing God that they believe Him and they love Him. You know, there's another story in the Bible about a man named Jesus. An innocent man, a sinless man. He came to this earth just as the song that Mickey led this morning talks about how they spit on Him. They cursed Him. They beat Him. They did all kinds of horrible things to him. He could have stopped it. But he didn't. Listen is what Jesus said to his disciples. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It, Jesus is the perfect example of doing God's will. They hung him on the cross. They crucified him. They buried him. Three days later, he rose again. You know, Jesus beat death. He did it to save us. He bore the sins of the world for us. You know, we can't be conformed to the world. We got to do what God wants us to do the way he's told us to. The world says you live any any way you want to. You believe anything you want to. The world says God wants you to be happy. Well, of course He wants you to be happy doing His will. That's how God wants us to be happy. The world has a different view. The world says sometimes there is no God. There is no Jesus. Paul told Corinthians, For the message of the cross is foolishness, To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you want to get to heaven, then do what Jesus said. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That takes care of all the problems of the world. If we would do that, if you love God and you love your neighbor, there are no problems ever. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And Jesus said, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And Jesus also said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Put God first in your life. Live your life the way God wants you to. Be a shining light to everybody you come in contact with. There's people all over the world. There's people all over Portland who knows nothing about God. They know nothing about the Bible. The only time they may hear or see any kind of Christian example is through you. Live your life in a way that you shine as a light to everyone you come in contact with. You may be here today and you, you may need to, to make things right. You, you had not put God on, uh, uh, you had not been baptized. If you need to do that, today's the day. If something's wrong in your life, you're not living the way you need to be. You're not being the example you should be. Make it right today. Don't wait. This church congregation loves people. We're loving people. If you come up, we don't want to know what the problem is. We want to know how we can help you. If you have any need today, just come and together we stand to sing.